I think a good example of the human body is what's a part that's not seen, not presentable, and that is the heart. And you see, without the heart, we cannot live. The presentable parts, fingers and hands, they're important, but you know, we can live without a finger. We can live without a toe. But the point that I want to bring out to you this morning is, is the heart in a body of believers, I believe, is those who do pray. Welcome to Under the Fig Tree. Under the Fig Tree is a verse-by-verse study taught by Pastor Jeff Figs of Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We are currently studying through the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. Here's Pastor Jeff. You see, the question that I want to ask you this morning is what's in your hand? It was interesting that Jesus, when he called the disciples, some of those disciples being fishermen, There was a couple of them that were casting the nets. There was a couple of them that were mending the nets, those nets in their hands. And Jesus said, I'm going to make you fishers of men. This morning, what's in your hand? For some of you, it may be a tool of some part, a hammer. Then use it. Your skills, your abilities for the Lord to bless the body of Christ. For some of you, it might be in just helping out cleaning and painting and taking care of the grounds, all kinds of areas that the Lord can use you as as you say, what is in my hands? Maybe it's an instrument to bless the body, to minister to the small group, to to minister to the children in, in the back room. Every single one of us, I believe, has an offer. Maybe it's hands that you're going to fold as you pray for the body of Christ. And whatever it is that you do, and whatever the Lord puts on your heart, and enables you to do, and gifts you to do, that's an important ministry, and it's just as important as anybody else's ministry. I went through a lot of years, when I first became a Christian, thinking that God could never, ever use me. So what's the use? What's the use in getting involved, or really getting excited about church? Because God can't use me. He uses the smart people. He uses the you know, extremely gifted people. He uses those who are gifted in music or elegant speakers. And I used to have that mindset. What do I have to offer, Lord? I can't do anything. I'm slow of speech, all these other things. I can relate to Moses. But when I began to realize that it's the Lord that calls us and the Lord that gifts us and the Lord that enables us and we're all part of the body of Christ and we all come together as one, but yet there's, there is a diversity of members all gifted in different ways and a function and a calling that God has for you. He can use you in different ways, whatever that might be. Whether it is praying, whether it is exhorting, whether it is helps, whether it is in teaching, whatever it might be, we all have different things to do in the body of Christ. There's no insignificant ministry or members. So that's the first problem and first attitude that people can have. The second problem that can happen in the church is addressed by Paul in verse 21. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. The second attitude that Christians can get sometimes is that independent spirit. I don't have need of anyone. I don't really need to be a part of this, this 
church or the body of Christ. I'm going to do my own thing. Listen, it is not God's desire that there be any lone rangers in the body of Christ. And I want to say this. We need each other. We really do. And don't remove yourself because if you do, if you just remove yourself from the body of Christ, you're going to find yourself being weak and discouraged. Now what I mean by that, remove yourself, is is you're not really engaged. You're, you're not really in fellowship with other believers. You are still in the body of Christ, certainly. But just don't be one that you're just distancing yourself from other Christians, from the church, from the body of believers. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 24 and 25 tells us, Let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, we're to come together, not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together. And it isn't that if you stay home, God's going to love you less, not at all. But here we're, we're told to come together. Why? There's a purpose, that we can stir up love and good works, that we can exhort and, and, and encourage one another. And so much more as you see the day approaching. And I believe we're seeing the day approach. The Lord is going to be coming back. So don't pull away, folks. Make sure that you're in fellowship, that you're plugged into the body of Christ. And don't have the mindset, I don't need anybody else. I don't need to be in fellowship. The Lord has commanded us in his word not to forsake the gathering together, the coming together as the body of Christ. And you see, that's one of the other things I experienced. I thought, well, I can never be used of the Lord, so I have no significant part. So I never really got excited about being a part and plugged in and committed to a church. So it just kind of one fed on the other. And so here Paul says that we need each other. The, the eye isn't going to say to the hand, I don't need you. And then, you know, the, the uh, head isn't going to say to the feet, I don't need you. Of course not. And then the third attitude that can happen in verses 22 through 25. He goes on and he says, Much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable on these we bestow greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have greater modesty. But our presentable parts have no need, but God hath composed the body, having given greater honor to that part which lacks it. That there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care for one another. So the third attitude that Christians can have, if, if we're not careful, of esteeming one gift or placing the body of Christ above another. So Paul is addressing a group of people that tended to be prideful, weren't they? They tended to be puffed up, and they tended to boast and all of that. And so here Paul is saying that, that we need to be careful, that we don't have the mindset or the attitude of becoming prideful, thinking that our place in the body of Christ is greater than another place. That what can happen is those who are seen in the ministry, what can happen is we get puffed up, we exalt them, we make the mistake that those gifts or ministries are, that are most seen or in the open, are to be esteemed. And the presentable parts are more important, is what he's saying. And we think the unpresentable parts, those gifts or ministries which are less visible, are not important at all. Paul says, verse 23, we think to be less honorable. Verse 22, which seem to be weaker. Paul says they are necessary. And we can emphasize what it is that we see, just like, Take, for example, the human body. 
I think a good example of the human body is what's a part that's not seen, not presentable, and that is the heart. And you see, without the heart, we cannot live. The presentable parts, fingers and hands, they're important, but you know, we can live without a finger. We can live without a toe. But the point that I want to bring out to you this morning is, is the heart in a body of believers, I believe, is those who do pray. Those who are in their prayer closets and they're at home and they're committed to praying for me and for this ministry. And, and without that, the prayer warriors. Because you may be here thinking, well, because of my time or my health or whatever it may be, I'm constrained. I can't really get plugged in in a way maybe I'd like or opportunities or whatever there may be, but we can pray. And you see, you may not be seen, but it is the heart of this ministry. We cannot live without those who are praying. That's extremely important that we have those who are lifting this church, the body of Christ, up in prayer. And it is something that must be happening in the body. It is something that all of us can do and are called to do. The brains of this body are those who have the gifts of administration, those who are called to help me make sure that the books are kept and bills are paid and copies are made. There's some muscles in the body, those with the gifts of help. We see people with the gift that helps those who seem to be able to see and know what needs to be done. When things need to be cleaned, trash needs to be picked up, chairs need to be set up. Again, outside these four walls, when somebody needs a meal that needs to be brought to them. When there is snow on the driveway and somebody goes over and shovels that snow. Because they're willing to do that. They're able to do that. And they enjoy doing that. So we make the mistake of thinking, oh, well, they're, 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 it's nice to have those people around when, when things need to be done. But after all, they don't teach or preach or sing or anything like that. Do you know what would happen to this congregation if people stopped praying? If people stopped using the gift of administration or helps? I wouldn't be able to do the ministry that God has called me to do. This place would be just an absolute mess. We'd be stumbling over each other. We'd be running into each other. Things wouldn't get done. It'd be unorganized. There'd be confusion. And one of the things that sometimes once in a great while people will say, well, you know, what's going on? And what's taking place? There's a lot of things that take place that goes on that you don't really see. There was meals that were made. There was people that came and, and cleaned and when we did a memorial service yesterday that we're willing to, to come and, and hand out the bulletins or the flyers. They were willing to bring food for the reception. They were willing to serve a family that was in need. The gift of mercy, the gift of exhortation, the gift of teaching, all of that was taking place in the body. Those who were willing to stay afterwards and clean, they were available. There were others that were saying, we aren't here, but we're praying for you. And words of encouragement were given. And small groups took place this, this weekend. And all kinds of ministry took place that we don't see. And, and as the pastor, I hear about it more oftentimes. But so much ministry takes place, and it's wonderful. You know, bulletins were made. All those gifts taken place so we can come into this place. And the body of Christ is functioning in a way that it should be. It's been functioning the way that it should have been this weekend. And it's a wonderful thing to see. People getting involved, people helping, people praying, people being engaged in the body of Christ. 
So Paul says that the parts of the body which we think to be less honorable, we invest with great honor. And, and our unpresentable parts are, are treated with, with greater modesty. He says that those functions, those ministries within the body that aren't seen, that aren't in public, aren't mentioned, they are exceedingly important. And we need to understand that. The focus isn't just on us. The focus is on the body of Christ that the members come together, that they care for one another, and that we function together in the way that it should be. We care for each other, and we're ones that we work together. The parts of the body working together, the eyes and ears, do not only serve themselves, but the whole body. The hands do not only feed and defend themselves, but the whole body. The, the heart supplies blood to the whole body. So we care for one another. We're to serve one another. Verse 26, and if one member suffers, all members suffer with it. For if one member is honored, all members rejoice with it. Now, I noticed when Jim was playing his guitar that he had a, a black and blue fingernail. So somewhere he smashed it, and uh, hopefully it wasn't here. But, um, but I was thinking that had to hurt. And I think all of us, that we've had a finger that we've smashed or a toe that we stubbed or our heads that we hit, right? And when that happens, it just, the whole body suffers, especially it seems like the older that we get when I, one part hurts, my whole body hurts and, and all of this. And that's what Paul is saying here, that when one suffers, he didn't say we should all suffer. He says we do suffer. We do suffer. We grieve with those who grieve, but we also rejoice with those who rejoice. And when one member of the body is used by God, they minister the grace and love of Christ to people, perhaps to a lot of people or maybe to a few people. We're rejoicing that. You know, and that's something that is so freeing for me. And what that does is keeps us from being envious or jealous or whatever it may be, if somebody else's ministry or their place in the body of Christ, listen, the Lord has something for you. And whether you minister to many or whether you minister to a few or to one, that is just as important as anybody else's ministry that they're doing within the body of Christ. And I can just move and, and be free to, to minister where God has called me, knowing that he's pleased with that, knowing that he has placed me there. And it's the same with you. So I don't have to look at another church and another minister and say, well, how come I don't have more and this and that? But Lord, be content. I am with where you have me, where you've placed me, and how I am to minister and what you've called me to. So we belong together, we suffer together, we rejoice together, and then as we finish up this morning, verse 27, now you are the body of Christ and members individually, and God has appointed these in the church for his apostles, second prophets, there are teachers after that miracles in the gift of healings, helps, administrations, variety of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Do all have the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? The answer, of course, to that is no. But earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. So Paul here is summing up this, this point he's making about the body of Christ, that just as the human body is unified and whole with many different parts, so also is the body of Christ. Now Paul writes about the different parts of the body. He mentions different gifted men and then certain spiritual gifts. Paul says God has appointed these first apostles. Apostle means sent out one. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 1 says that 
Jesus Christ was the foremost apostle, capital A, that appointed by the Father. Then we know in the Gospels there was the 12 apostles. Some include Paul in that as the 12 apostles appointed by Jesus Christ. And then we read in the book of Acts those men in the early church, such as Barnabas and Timothy and Silas and a few others, they were called apostles as well, appointed by the Spirit. And God still has a special ambassadors today that are sent out ones that the Spirit has called, though not with the same authority as the original 12 apostles. Then some, secondly, prophets. These are called, as we've talked about last time, that speak forth for God the gift of prophecy. And as they speak forth the heart and mind of God, we're going to see more about prophecy the gift of prophecy in chapter 14, its function and place within the corporate meeting of the church. But suffice it to say again this morning that when the gift of prophecy or those prophets speak, they need to be 100% accurate in every word according to Deuteronomy chapter 18. And they are never to lead astray people from God, Deuteronomy chapter 13. Third teachers, those who expound on the word of God. That's what's taking place this morning. And then Paul hits and lists these gifts, miracles and healings. Again, we talked about that last week. Workers of miracles are used by God to do miracles. Healings. It is through the leading of the Holy Spirit. It's not out of their own initiative. And then the gifts of helps, those who help or assist others in doing the work of the Lord. In the Old Testament, who was it that, that were the helpers? It was the Levites, weren't they? They helped, they assisted in the priests in the work of the ministry concerning the tabernacle and the temple. They're the ones that will make themselves useful in any way. They have a quick eye to see what needs to be done. They have a tender heart to come for others. They have strong hands and bent backs and quick feet to get to those who have need. Paul says administrations and variety of tongues. Are all apostles or prophets or teachers or workers of miracles or speak with tongues? No. Not everyone is called to be a sent out one or to be a teacher. Not everyone is gifted in healings or speaks in tongues. Now, I mention that because there have been those throughout the years that I've talked to, and there have been doctrine that has gone through the church that says, if you don't speak in tongues, then you're not really saved. And I think that some of us have run into those kinds of people. Or, if you don't speak in tongues, that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. So I believe in the validity of the spirit of the gifts that they are for today, but nowhere in Scripture does it say that you're not filled with the spirit or that you're not saved if you don't speak in tongues. And Paul sets things straight here. He says, do all speak in tongues? Do all prophesy? Do all have gifts of healings? No. So I have known people that have faked the gift of tongues to try to assure others and themselves that indeed they're filled with the Spirit or that they're saved. So Paul makes it very clear, not everyone will speak in tongues. And Paul ends by saying, but earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, what are the best gifts? It depends. If after service we go outside and somebody's car is broke, it doesn't do me any good to go out there and start doing a Bible study, does it? It's not going to help them at that time. But yet again, when we gather together, it wouldn't do any good for somebody to come up and start giving a lesson on mechanics or whatever it is. Maybe as you come in into this place, somebody needs to be exhorted. Maybe somebody's hurting. Maybe somebody's struggling. They need the gift of mercy. Maybe there's times where 
Somebody says, hey, I, I need a directory. I need somebody with the gift that helps at that time. It depends on what the situation is. So again, in those situations, in the gifts of calling, so the body of Christ can all function together. This isn't the only ministry that's taken place here this morning, is teaching, but other ministries and other gifts that are being exercised within the body of Christ. So I think that this section of chapter 12 really helps keep things in proper biblical balance. We're all members of the body of Christ, and Jesus the head of the body. We all have different functions, and every member is to desire God's gifts to be given to him so you can be used of God. I want to close with this. It is a wonderful thing that we belong to, the body of Christ. And it's a wonderful thing to serve the Lord and what he has called you to do and the opportunities that he's given to you. And I pray that we would always keep that in mind. What a marvelous thing to just flow where God has you, and you're going to have a peace about it, you're going to have a rest about it. Maybe you're going to say today, you know, I don't know exactly where God wants me right now or how he's gifted me, but you seek him. Because you know now that God desires to use you, and there's no member that is insignificant. Maybe you'll say, you know what, God has put on my heart to pray. I'm going to pray for the fellowship. Or maybe I'm going to serve in some way. Or, or maybe I believe that God has gifted me to do some teaching. Maybe I'll go and teach the children. Or, or maybe it's another area of helps in working in a coffee shop or the bookstore. And all those ministries are important, you see, for somebody to be able to go into the bookstore and buy a book or a Bible for somebody. And that person sitting back there, maybe they're not seen, but that ministry is important. As the ministry to the children take place, that ministry is important. And somebody that gets you a cup of coffee or whatever from the coffee shop so you can go and fellowship with others, that ministry is important. For you to be greeted as you come in, that ministry is very important. The prayer that takes place before the service, that's very important. And I hope and pray that you would understand that we belong to a marvelous thing called the body of Christ and that you are significant and God wants to use you and however that might be. You see, folks, that's one of the reasons I don't get up here and pound on a pulpit and say, you've got to get, you know, and you better do this and you've been here two weeks and, you know, and you better get busy. I want to, <laughs> some do that. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to manipulate and yell and all of this. Pastors have a saying. 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people. I don't think it's quite that way here. Because I know many of you are engaged in ministry. And I know some of you are engaged in ministry that are outside these four walls. In other parts of the community... And I know that some of you minister that God has said, you know what, right now I need to minister to my children and raising them up or to my family. That's where I need to be right now. I want God to lead you and direct you. I want God to put those things on your heart. But I want you to know whatever it is that God puts on your heart whenever you do, that you belong to a wonderful thing called the body of Christ. And what you do and what you're called to do is not insignificant. And it's for the edification 
of believers in the body of Christ and for us to be a testimony to a lost and dying world that's out there. And one of the things that has been a tremendous blessing for me is to understand these things in my life. It changed my life. When I understood that, Lord, you want to use me? Lord, you want to gift me? And Lord, you can do that. And it began by just saying, Lord, whatever you want to do with my life, whatever pleases you, that Lord, here I am. Because here's the thing. There's a saying that I've said before. I think one of our best gifts that we have is just being available. The greatest gift is just being available, saying, Lord, here's my heart, and whatever you want to do with my heart, and whatever you want to do in enabling me, empowering me, and gifting me, Lord, that's up to you. But here I am. Thank you for joining us on Under the Fig Tree. If you would like a copy of today's study, please call us and ask for the message with today's date. Our phone number is 970-330-1717. That number again, 970-330-1717. If you prefer, you can write us at 2602 West 27th Street, Greeley, Colorado, 80634. You can also visit us online at ccgreeley.com. Under the Fig Tree is brought to you by Calvary Chapel of Greeley. We invite you to join with us for our Sunday morning services at 8.30 and 10.30 a.m. and our Wednesday evening service at 7 p.m. Please join with us next time as we continue to study the Bible together on Under the Fig Tree.